Well, good morning, Dorisville. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today, being a part of our service. Uh, my name is Dwayne Taylor. I'm the senior pastor here, and I think that means I'm the oldest guy. I think that's what that means. Hey, let me just share something with you uh, before we do what we're going to do. Um, first off, this really glad to report to you. Incredibly, um, our goal was nineteen thousand three hundred dollars. Some there for Annie Armstrong, and through your obedience to God, that goal has been met and surpassed. Now that's incredible. Yeah, come on. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Now let me let, let me now let me tell you why that's so cool. Not all of, but through the ministry of Dorisville Baptist Church, you also and others have given over $50,000 to disaster relief. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, and that's part of what we want to talk about today. That, now, giving can never replace going. But giving is a way that we can tell God, God, you're number one, God, you're important, and God, I believe in what you're trying to do. I want to ask you today, if you're going to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 17, 117, ask you to stand to your feet, and we're going to read this, this whole scripture together and have a word of prayer before we preach. Psalm 117, Psalm 117, it'll be on the board up here, I'm going to trust you guys, I'm going to read off the board myself, so don't lag, okay? Here we go, read with me please. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples, for his faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. Psalm 117, 1 and 2. Join me, please, in prayer. Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege of gathering together in worship and in praise of your name and in honor of your precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all of that. Father, we understand that you'd love to do something really great and incredible in our lives today. For some, it might be receiving the greatest gift ever, and that's your son, Jesus Christ. For some, it might just be a fresh realization of, Jesus, what you did for us, and we ran our hell-bound race, as the song said. For some, Father, it may be an enlightening about what the purpose of the church is, why we gather here and why we go out there and, and what we're supposed to do. Now, Father, I acknowledge first thing today is that really there's nothing I can do. I happen to be the mouthpiece that you've chosen to use on this day. But the bottom line, Holy Spirit, is only you draw men and women to your son, to, to the son, Jesus Christ. Only you can invoke change. Only you can bring enlightenment. Only you can cause happen what God in heaven wants to happen. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to work in our hearts today. And again, thank you for this privilege. And we pray it, Jesus, in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The sermon title today is Bullseye. Bullseye. Now, we have a picture of a bullseye. If we could get that up on the screen, please. There you go. Now, a bullseye is a, is a target that has rings around it. And the whole purpose of the bullseye is to get to the middle. To get to the core of it all. How many of y'all ever played darts before? Yeah. Isn't it cool? You know, we did this. I was in Germany in, in, in a squadron. And we played a whole lot of darts. Because it's kind of an English kind of invention. And it, it bled over to Germany. And we would get there. And man, it was so cool. And a bullseye in darts is not the highest scoring thing you can do. You could hit a triple 20 and get 60 points. But when you hit that bullseye, I mean that there's, there's the black and then there's the red. I mean, it's just the middle part of it. And that thing is worth 50 points when you hit it. It's just a thrill when you hit the bullseye. And the reason they put the bullseye there is because it is the 
target. It's what we're shooting for. Well, in, in Psalm 117, in a couple of ways, it is the bullseye. You know, what happened when I, you know, we're preaching through the Word of God, one sermon per book, and it came up time for Psalms. And, oh my goodness, you could spend years in Psalms with wonderful um, readings from God's Word. And so I, I thought about, well, Psalm 15, that's just an incredible scripture, and that's what I originally had. And then I got the email that a lot of y'all probably got about Psalm 118. And according to the email, um, if you will divide all the chapters and the verses, which, by the way, the original manuscripts did not have chapters and verses anyway. That was added much, much later. But if you divide all the chapters and the verses, Psalm 118 is the middle of the Bible. I said, oh, isn't that cool? Okay. And then, according to this email, when you divide that all up, not only 118, but verse number 8 was the middle of the Bible. And said something about it's better to trust in God than to trust in man. And I said, that's just incredible. That'd be really neat. And Psalm 118 is an incredible psalm. It really is. And so then I had to run it all. And then I you know, did the snoop, snoop thing and checked out the validity of that. I typed, is Psalm 118 in the middle of the Bible? Well, guess what? Nice email, not the middle of the Bible. I mean, if you take the chapters and divide them, do the math... It is Psalm 117 is the middle. And the middle verse is, there's not one. Because when you have two verses, you got one and two. That means the middle of the Bible is somewhere between verse one and two. But then I said to myself, I said, well, listen, how incredible Psalm 117 is. Because it talks about why we are what we are. Who the church is and as believers, what is our purpose in life? So Psalm 117 is the middle of the Bible, but it's also, which is cool, it's the shortest chapter in the entire Bible. It's really, really cool. So we want to look at today about really what is the purpose of the church? Why are we here? Why did God put us at 1300 South Fiesel? And in a bigger scope, what is the reason and the purpose of the church as it exists? Now, really, purpose is a hard thing because often it gets lost. In fact, sometimes, through time, we, we either lose it or we dilute it. L- let me illustrate with this. Well, first off, this thing's kind of heavy, so I'm not going to hold it up quite yet. So, we bought our house in the year 2000. And our house was built in a, a 1902. We're one of the oldest houses on the block there on Poplar Street. And, and then in World War II, two brothers came back from the war and they totally gutted the house and they added what is our living room and our kitchen on, our, our back kitchen part, and, and they bricked it. It was, a sad, it was a sideboard house and they bricked it, okay, and, and you know, it's really it's, it's a cool house. It really is because of all the history. So anyway, so I was running some wires one day. I'm always running wires, stereo wires and things, and I found this hole and the, and the original foundation that led to the newer part, again, 1946. And so I climb up in there, and I'm looking for spiders and bugs, dude. You know, I don't like spiders and snakes, and I don't date girls who do something like that. I just don't like spiders, okay? Don't like bugs. You remember those big old banana spiders? We had those in Florida, and the worst nightmare is to be mowing the grass and run into one. You didn't see it. You know, it gets all over you, and you're trying to pull it off. You imagine this thing sticking its fangs, which it does not have, right into your neck. And killing you? Incredible. So I'm looking for all these spiders, and I had this flashlight. I look, and way up in the corner of the house, this was laying there. I said, what is that? You know, I'm instantly thinking, you know, antique roadshow? Like, you know, I'm, all of a sudden we're going you know, to have zillions of dollars. 
And so I drug this thing out. And I said, Judy, look at this. This is like way cool. It really is. And it really was way cool. And so I laid it aside, didn't think a whole lot about it. And so I finally asked somebody. I don't know who it was. And lots of people probably could say, well, I know what that is. But, but what it is, it's what they used in 1947. They would fill this thing full of mortar, okay? And they used it to brick the bricks. You could hold it up like that and hold it up to where the guy that was laying the brick could get to it. And they would take the mortar out of this and spread it down, okay? Now, I did not know that, okay? I thought it was cool, but I didn't know that. And over time, a lot of y'all didn't know this either. Unless you're a mason, a brick mason, you wouldn't have known that. You know, you just said, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of an unusual piece of wood. But that's all it would be to you. See, because the purpose of it was lost over time. But not only did the purpose get lost, it got diluted. Because one day, Judy said, you know what? That would make a nice flower holder. So we took it and we stuck it in the dirt, okay? And she filled this part full of dirt, this part right here full of dirt and full of mulch, okay? And put some beautiful, I think it was geraniums or something. Just really, really nice. And it made a great flower holder. People go, that's a great flower holder. But, but we diluted the purpose because this was not created to hold flower, flowers. It was created to hold mortar. But we diluted it down. Well, that, that got old. And so finally, you know, remember my story about the squirrels in the newsletter? If you can't beat them, join them. I decided I would feed the squirrels. And so I drove screws through this and screwed the corn onto this, and it made a great squirrel feeder too. All right? But I diluted the purpose for which exists, and that was to, to hold mortar. And not only that, when you take something that's like wood and you put it in the dirt where it's like nice and moist, what happens? Yeah, yeah. This didn't look like this a year ago when I put it in the dirt. Okay, it started rotting off. And when you misuse something, not only does it diminish its purpose or the purpose gets lost, it can even damage the, 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 you know, the instrument itself. So it, purposes can really get lost. Okay, and I'm afraid that's what's kind of happened in the church today. So, so you ask yourself this question. So, so what then is the purpose of the church? Because it's so easy to get lost. It's so easy to forget what we were created for. And if we missed the purpose, we missed everything. There's a cool parable that I wrote about a couple of times, a couple of weeks ago in the newsletter. And it's found in Judges chapter 9. Let me read it to you. It's, it's pretty cool. The Bible says in Judges chapter 9, The trees set out to anoint a king over themselves. They said to the olive tree, Reign over us. Now, here's the picture. All the trees come to the olive tree and say, hey, we want you to be our king. Okay, this is in the Bible, Judges chapter 9. You need to read your Bible, okay? Verse number A. Uh, but the olive tree said to them, should I stop giving my oil that honors both God and man and rule over trees? Then the trees came to the fig tree. Come and reign over us, they said to the fig tree. But the fig tree said to them, should I stop giving my sweetness and my good fruit and rule over trees? Well, later, the, they, the trees came to the grapevine. Come and reign over us. But the grapevine said to them, Should I stop giving my wine that cheers both God and man and rule over trees? And finally, all the trees came to the bramble. Now, time out. As you know, a bramble is a bush. It's a thorn bush. It's not even a true tree. Notice... Finally, the trees resorted to a non-tree. 
Okay? And says to them, come and reign over us. Verse 15. The bramble bush said to the trees, if you really are anointing me as king over you, come and find refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out from the bramble and consume the trees or the cedars of Lebanon. So what was the lesson here? The lesson is, is the olive tree said, wait a minute, I was created to do one thing. And that was to give olives and olive oil. The fig tree said, I was created for one purpose. And that was to give sweet fruit. The grapevine said, I was created for one purpose. And that is to make wine that cheers both God and man. So they ended up going to the bramble, wasn't a tree at all, and saying, well, would you reign over us? And the bramble said, yes, I will. I will, but if you're going to rule over you, then you must submit to me. You cannot serve God and man. And the bramble represents man. The, the bramble represents the world. And you must submit to the bramble and then you will become servant of that. The church was created for one purpose. Someone say amen. But in America today, we have moved away from the purpose that God has created us for and have bowed down to serving the bramble bush. Listen, the church is not a club. The church does not exist for us. The church is not a place where good people can come and feel better about themselves. The the church is not a group of people that come and, and we condemn the world. The church exists for a sole purpose, and that is verse number one. There it says, Praise the Lord, all nations, glorify him, all peoples. The church exists today, not the building. The people of God exist that we may praise God and glorify his name. To praise means to worship God. Amen? We are, listen, come on now, get this. Because see, you're saying, Dwayne, this is not deep enough for me. If we don't, if we don't get our purpose right, we can't do anything else right. We were created to worship God. Well, Dwayne, why would we worship God? Because He alone is worthy of our worship. All the false gods of the world. People worship pastors. They worship staff. They worship their jobs. They worship their cars. All the false gods demand that we worship them. And that's why this is significant. Dorisville Baptist Church, First Baptist Church, the church, the church in England, the church in Africa. All born-again believers need to be worshipers of God Almighty. That is why we exist. We are to worship Him because He's worthy. And we are to glorify Him. But what does that mean, Dwayne? We glorify God by the life that we live. We worship Him here in our service there, but we glorify God by the lives that we live and the purpose, the principal purpose of what we do in glorifying God is cause others to want Jesus Christ as Lord. And as Savior. That's why we're here. That's why, that's why the video was so important. Our purpose is to worship God. And our purpose is to glorify God. We worship Him because He alone is worthy. And we glorify Him to draw others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the reason that we exist. Now, in worship, we're the family band. In worship, we are the instruments of praise. I know, I love, I love the, the flautist that plays, you know, the flute 
the flautists. I love that part of worship because to me, the flute is a very worshipful instrument. I miss little David today. Don't know where he is, but I missed him. I miss his part of the guitar. He's an instrument of praise, and he plays an instrument of praise. Sometimes, and it's gone now, uh, David must have hit it. The tambourine. That's an instrument of praise. And when we worship God, we collectively become the family band. And we, listen, from the moment we walk in to the moment we leave, our concentration needs to be, God, we have come to worship you. Now, worship is not necessary sing, singing a hymn. Okay, or song. You know, worship is adoration to the one who is worthy. Would you say amen to that? Now, now watch how important this is. Okay, David, it's time. Okay, Dave's going to actually loan me his guitar for a moment. I know, you didn't know I could do this. You didn't know I could do this. Okay, buddy. Are well, we going to have like, sound and everything? Okay, all right, cool. You ain't nothing but a hound. Oh, that's Donnie. That's Donnie. That's Donnie. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Now, wait. I'm left-handed. Oh, never mind. I'll be right-handed. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay. All right. What's that? Okay. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I once was lost. I think I was found. Was blind. I don't think I can see. Was that worship? For about three different reasons. One, was I playing correct chords? No. Was my heart in it? No, but wait a minute, wait a minute. We had a melody, and we had an instrument, and I sang. But that wasn't worship, was it? Yeah. Okay, bro, D. Strap on that baby and play us a little bit of Amazing Grace. Oh, you're going to say Amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a wrench Like me I once was lost But now I'm found I was blind but now I see. Now, now, now. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Now, wait, 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 wait. Okay, the chord, it was not out of harmony. And I promise you, you can't look at my heart, but I promise you my heart was different. I was serious in what I sang. The harmony of heart and instrument makes worship. It's not enough. Guys, listen. Please hear me today. Please hear me today. It is not enough to walk in this building and sit through an hour and 
25 minutes, however long it is, and say, I worship today. You've got to come in, and you've got to be a member of the family band. Listen, listen to what Psalm says. Hallelujah! Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant gladness. Praise Him with a trumpet blast. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with flute and strings. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Praise Him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah! And according to Psalm 117, that is why we exist. We are the family band. It is we, His people who had the right and the privilege to worship Almighty God. Amen? Grab that, guys. Get a hold of that. It's a travesty. It's an injustice. When we walk in with a cold, hard heart, cross our arms and say, Holy Spirit, I dare you to move. Preacher, I dare you to bless me. God, help us that we come into this room that is our worship center and we come with that as a hungry man to a table feasting on the best food he ever ate. And it does not depend on who's delivering the Word. It doesn't depend on who's leading worship. It depends on the one we choose to adore and that's Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. Worship Him. For He alone is worthy. So in worship, we are the family band. It's important we are in tune. It's important there's harmony with the instrument and the heart and the one we adore. But we also glorify Him. Here, we are members of the family band. And by the way, outside these doors. But we're also the bait. The bait. Yes, we're the bait. Give me an example. In Acts chapter 16, there's an incredible story. And it goes something like this. Paul and Silas were out telling others about Jesus Christ. And they now casting a demon out of a woman. Okay? And the woman had the ability to tell the future. When, when this demon was cast out, she no longer had that ability. All the guys who owned her got really mad about that. And so they had Paul and Silas arrested. Okay? And then they were put into jail. They were beaten. And put into jail. And the inner, inner stops. There they are. They're locked up. And I mean, their back is bleeding. It's painful. And guess what? They're sitting there going, This is, this is just wrong. This is just injustice. Or, where is God when we need Him? This is not fair, God. You know what they were doing? The Bible says they began to sing and worship God. How incredible. About that time, a giant earthquake comes. So much so that it knocked the stocks off their feet and wrists. It frees them and the door flies open. You know what Paul and Silas did? They sat there. Can I have a, can I have a witness? They sat there. And so the jailer, okay, who knows that the prisoners escape... He gets killed. He decides he's going to commit Harry Carey. He's going to commit suicide. So he runs in. He's about to fall on his sword. Okay? And Paul says, wait, don't, stop. We are all here. The dude, the jailer, turns to Paul and says, 
Wow. What must I do to be saved? Question. If Paul and Silas had just what seemed the logical thing, if Paul and Silas would have got up and ran, what would have happened to the jailer? He would have split hell wide open that day. He would have died lost without Jesus Christ. But because Paul and Silas were more interested in glorifying God than their freedom, they stayed put. And the man walks in and says, what must I do to be saved? They were God's bait to lead the jailer to Jesus. And when we go out, come on guys, when we go out and we live Jesus-like, I'm not talking about religious. When we go out and act and talk and believe and think and serve like Jesus, we become God's bait. And we draw people. Listen, did you see it? Praise the Lord. How many nations? All nations. Glorify Him. All peoples. How are all nations and all people going to get there to glorify Him unless we are God's bait and they see Jesus in us and say, we want what you got. It's incredible. Then some of y'all would say this. Uh, preacher, we pay you and Brent and David a whole lot of money to do that. You're our hired holy guys. And everyone in the 21st century knows that the hired holy guys are the ones who are supposed to share Jesus. And I say, amen. But we ain't the only guys who are supposed to be sharing Jesus. Now, let me tell you the importance. You say, okay, well, Dwayne, so, so, so why is that important? You ever gone bass fishing before? Okay. In order to catch a bass, you've got to have the right bat, bait at the right time. Now, I'm going to tell you, People in town know I'm a preacher. I've had more than once on visitation night, I've had unopened doors to me. You know, run, it's the preacher. I am not the right bait. To many people, I represent God or Brent represents God or Dave represents God. And they're mad at God. They want to do with God. And the last thing they want to see is some loud preacher. So sometimes we are the wrong bait, which means we need a different bait, which means it's you. Because you know what? People that would never hear me will hear you. People who would never hear Brent will hear you. And besides that, me, Brent, and Dave are going to catch one fish at a time, and that pond's awful big. It takes more people... Being baked if we're going to win the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? Frankly, too. You know, the same, if you use the same bait over and over again, the fish get wise. And folks, we've got to be everything to all people so we may win some to the kingdom. Amen? Hugely important. I'm going to very carefully say this and very tactfully say this, but I want to ask you a question. Now, are you all familiar with... with uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Um, you know, go into all the world and make, you know, we're going to make disciples. Okay? We're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to teach them all things whatsoever I command you, Jesus speaking. You know, an incredible number of people who follow Jesus have never shared their faith. 
have never once been baked. But we call that the Great Commission, Brent. Dave, it's kind of strange. If our number one purpose is to worship God and to glorify Him and to be baked for Him, and we're not being baked, well, we just become a bunch of old worms in a bucket. You know, like it or not, the worm doesn't like it too much, and sometimes it's not fun, but the worm fulfills its purpose when it gets hooked on a hook and thrown out the water and catches the fish. And I know there's risk. Young people, students, I know. You go out and look for Jesus and testify about Jesus. It's hard sometimes. But that's why we are created. That's what we're created to do. Amen? All right, now what? I know this is, this is almost like preaching on money. Not very popular. But watch this. Watch this. I want you to look at your sermon sheet now. I want to read to you Revelation chapter 5. I want to show you a picture of authentic worship of, of the one who's worthy. All right? Now, let me go ahead and I'm going to start reading since we got... I cut this thing in half, by the way, in case you haven't figured it out. Um, we're going to read, we're going to read verses one through five. Okay. And then what's on the sermon sheet and then verse 13. That's where we're going. Here we go. Now, this is, this is going to happen in the future. This has not happened yet. It's really cool. It's because John sees this and God says it's going to happen. So guess what? It's going to happen. Okay. Here we go. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne. That's God. A scroll with writing on the inside and the back. Sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one, say no one. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. And I cried and cried because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, stop crying. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, David has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He came, took the scroll out of the right hand of the one God seated on the throne. Now in your sermon sheet. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, which is Jesus Christ. Each one had a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang. A new song. Pause. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we all have a new song to sing. My song once was, I was lost. I was blind. Now I can see. Now I'm found. My song is, and your song is if you know Jesus, I was on my way to hell. But because of Jesus Christ, I'm never going there. I was hopeless, and he brought hope. I was in darkness, and he brought light. I was sick, and he healed me. My heart was broken, and he put it back together again. They sang a new song. Each one of us have a new song. Here's what the song says. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered. Pause. 
slaughtered. New King James and King James, and I'm not sure about NIV, translate that word slain, okay, as slain. The Holman Christian Standard and some other translations choose the word slaughtered. Do you know what that word means in the Greek? I mean, this is like definition number 28 in a a list. The word slaughtered, translate King James, New King James, slain, is to butcher. To butcher. As in an animal to be sacrificed or to be consumed. Now, they said he was worthy to take the scroll because Jesus Christ was butchered. Do you know why? Maggie, do you know why the passion of the Christ was rated R? You know why? It was so gory. Judy said probably the only R-rated movie she's ever seen in her life was The Passion of the Christ. On Easter morning, David wanted to show a portion of that. And I said, David, it's just too graphic. It's just too graphic. Folks, the cross was a slaughterhouse. Jesus Christ willingly allowed himself to be slaughtered. When they took him and they stripped away his flesh of his back, when they drove the nails between his wrists and his feet, when they slit his side open, when they took him and smacked his face, knocking his teeth out, when they took the crown of thorns and pushed it down his head as blood just gushed from the Lord Jesus Christ. He was worthy to open the scroll. Because he was slaughtered. You need to get that. And may I be candid? If that doesn't do something to your heart, go home, lock yourself in a room and say, God, why doesn't the crucifixion move me anymore? Why has the cross become so commonplace that it no longer moves me? And what's powerful is, it wasn't just that he was slaughtered. Look what it says. You were slaughtered and you redeemed people. What's so powerful? The reason why Jesus is so worthy of our worship and the reason why we should go out in our lives and glorify Him, the reason why we got to spread the good news in Harrisburg and Illinois, around the world, the reason the Great Commission is so great, the reason why we've got to be a church that remembers its purpose of why we exist, is because Jesus was slaughtered that people might be redeemed, brought back to God. The price paid. That's all it's all about. You, we all were slaves of sin. Our father was the devil. Jesus' words. And when Jesus died, he opened up an open invitation that whosoever will may come. And today, if you count yourself as a Christ follower, as a believer, as a disciple of Jesus, he did that for you. If you have not yet received that, he did that for you. He was slaughtered. And he redeemed people back to God. For God, by your blood, from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. 
That's why I had David sing the songs about every tribe and every nation. Jesus is for the African. Jesus is for the Canadian. Jesus is for the Asian. And the word has got to get out. That is why we exist. I was shocked to hear this. Um, Nita Reynolds gave me a book called The Top Ten. It's like a zillion categories. And according to that book, there's 258 million Christians in America. And the population is only slightly over 300 million. You know the problem with that? Because everybody calls themselves a Christian. We're a Christian nation because we don't know what Christian means anymore. We're also the second on the list for the number of atheists. Number two nation in the world for atheists is America. We've got a job to do, folks. Your neighbor, my neighbor, may not know Jesus Christ. And our purpose is to worship God and to glorify Him by being baked. By living in such a way that as that big old largemouth bass comes by and sees your life, they just can't go by without stopping and saying, what is it about you that's different? You know, when things are bad, you seem to have a peace. And when people hurt you, you don't lash back. What is it about you? That's why we exist. He goes on and says this. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign on the earth. Now I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also the living creatures of the elder and the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, the lamb who was butchered, the lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy. And because He is worthy, we need to do what we're created to do. Worship God and glorify His name. Would you, would you join me as your pastor in attempting to do that? I know, listen, I'm not sure when it happened, guys. But I know somewhere over the years the church has metamorphed into an organization instead of a living body. And our mission has somehow got lost from being about God and those outside those doors to us. And God's word says today, come home. Come home and worship. Come home and glorify. Well, I learned in Sunday school today that it's essential in my life the first part you'll get, that God be my number one and my wife be my number two. That's what I learned in Sunday school. And I told the, I told the young couples there, I said, being number one, God being number one, means being a Christ follower. It means choosing to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, including those in marriage. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than filling a pew. It's devoting yourself to following the teachings of Jesus Christ.
So my invitation this morning is really simple. First off this. If you're here today and you've never received the greatest gift ever, and I think that's the forgiveness of your sins before a holy God, if you've never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and what he did, in just a few moments, Brent's going to be standing down front. And I'd like for you to come, and we're going to have heads bowed and eyes closed. And I just want to invite you to come and say, Brent, I want to know this Jesus who was butchered on the cross for me. And you know what's you know, so cool? That's a literal translation. You don't like that word, do you? Dwayne, that's a little graphic. That's what the word means. That's what God said. That's not what Dwayne said. That's what God said. I want to know the Jesus who died that kind of death for me. And he doesn't care if you're black, white, green, yellow. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, what your address is, the kind of car you drive. Jesus loved you enough to die for you and wants to forgive your sins. The second part of the invitation is this. Would you be willing to come home today to why you were created? To worship Almighty God. Authentically, in harmony, heart and instrument, in harmony. You're willing to glorify God out in the community by living such a way that people see your life and go, you know what? I want what you have. I want what you have. Would you bow your heads, please? Thanks, God, for this opportunity and this privilege of sharing your word today. I know I'm taking home, God. I'm taking home the new descriptive word for me for the cross. It wasn't a plan gone bad. It was just as you ordained it and the time you ordained it. But Jesus, you endured the cross and despised this chain for me that I might have forgiveness of sin. I was on my way to hell. And you and the cross intervened. And you said, follow me. And I did. And a whole lot of people in this room have done the same thing. But Father, for our friends who have not yet, could today be their day? Father, would you help them and draw them to your son Jesus and let them realize their need? I pray you would. And God, I'm praying as honestly as I can today. Would you help us to worship you? Would you help us to get back to why we were created? Can we go back to 1910, Father, for the doors fill, when someone said that this community needed a gospel witness and doors fill was founded? Father, would you help us get back to worshiping the one who's worthy with a heart and an instrument in tune with you? Father, would you help us to glorify you? It's hard, God. Sometimes people pull out in front of me or people curse. Or, and I lose, I lose it, God. And I'm not the only one. And every time that happens, it just undermines, Father, your ability to draw people. So as I leave this place today, no matter if I'm at Walmart or down at the ball field or on vacation, God, would you please help me to live a life that glorifies you? Make me bait, Father, the kind of bait the fish want to ask about. And Jesus, I pray this 
in your precious name. Amen.